This is Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab, with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 140, Grantasms, making communication fun and great again, with our guest, Grant Crowell. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab. This is your host, Greg Gazin. Today, we have another exciting episode and an exciting guest, and I think we're going to get more than our fair share of laughs out of this particular episode. Our guest today is Grant Kroll. He's a learning facilitator for Dell Technologies Digital Events Team. He's also the author of Grantasms, Twisted Creative Words for Cool People. Grant is a former talk show radio host and comedy club staffer. He's also a Toastmaster member who gives special training on public speaking for online events, along with volunteering as a creative communication skills coach for tech professionals who feel socially awkward online, especially with feeling confident on camera. He was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, with a long adulting, as he called it, in the Chicago burbs, but he currently lives in Durham, North Carolina with his spousious <laughs> partner, Karen. Grant Carl, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I, I did enjoy you trying to say some of those twisted words in real time. I'm sure your audience got amused. What the heck is spousious? <laughs> I must have missed that one. Oh, <laughs> uh, that, that's my that's my longtime partner of 11 years. It's like you feel you're happily married aside from the the piece of paper. And a lot more couples do that. And we did that to explain to her traditional parents that we're much more than boyfriend and girlfriend. I mean, today we've been together 11 years. And so we wanted something that meant a lot. We came up with spouse-ish. People assume you're a married couple. And in a way, you kind of are. It's just, it's on your terms. And that that word is really stuck. And that's who I dedicate my book to on grandisms. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think people are already getting a little bit of a flavor for what we're going to be talking about. Now, we mentioned your book, and we'll, we'll be talking about more than just your book. I had an opportunity to go through it, and frankly, <laughs> I really laughed my butt off. But at the same time, I thought, our world is already full of these confusing acronyms, jargon, emoji. Why in the world would you purposely go out and create new words? <laughs> because a lot of the times the words on our existing dictionary fail us and because we don't even agree on those existing words. There's been some fun games by some news sites where they play a game with people on, is this a real or a made-up word? And most of the time people get it wrong. Why? Because most of the words in our English dictionary, people don't know they exist and thus they become out of style. What makes a word real? All words are made up. Most of the words that we call English came from other languages, other countries. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating how these words take on different meanings at different times. I would also deal with people who were socially awkward, very smart, but struggled. Sometimes they're just, their brains were different, like my brain is. I proudly say I have very manageable ADHD, but as a kid, I was never diagnosed with it. And I would just wonder why I was so different and struggling so much. Worst case scenario, get me beat up a lot as a kid, or I had a very hard time making friends because I couldn't communicate or express myself in the way that I needed to. And sometimes certain words get overused or misused that it makes people stop listening or distrust us. Like when someone says awesome, when something really isn't awesome, or they say, you know, 
500 times. And I kid you not, I listened to a podcast show <laughs> where the guest said, you know, 300 times in 22 minutes. And I thought I got to come up with words that describe what I know other people can relate to and sometimes makes them want to pull their hair out. And that's where I came up with filler flabber, filler words that you don't notice it till you notice it. And then you can't stop noticing it. And then it takes your attention away from what could be really good content. These are the challenges we have when we are in an always on 24 seven world where a lot of our attention is through distractions. And a lot of this is about how you communicate with people. And the challenge that I find in the working world, especially when you're dealing around with a lot of really smart tech folks, they have to condense what they're trying to say, sometimes with acronyms. I feel acronym because I'm numb from all the acronyms <laughs> and they don't explain them or even words that don't even make sense in their actual use. One person would say, we, gotta, we have to have this person socialized when the actual meaning of the word socialized meant something entirely different from what this person thought it meant. So we can't even agree on the, the means of existing words in our dictionary. So why is that? Because we desire something new. We desire something novel. Take the word okay. Okay originally came from the term all correct, but then it became out of favor because it was overused. So then it became okay. And then when okay <laughs> was used too much, it became okily dokily. <laughs> we, we want to make things fresh. And that's where it comes to what I do, creative communication. Because today, Greg, it's not enough to just have clarity, because when we can't agree on things, it's more important to be creative. And creative means to be novel and to have value. And that is why I thought, what if I just put all of my favorite words with relatable stories, every one of them an actual story, and I call them grandtasms. And I found a lot of people said, oh, that is so happened to me, or why didn't I think of that? And then I found it was an icebreaker, an invitation to a conversation. And humor is a great way to build connections where otherwise you'd be like scratching your head and going, what are they talking about? It's interesting because you're talking about the filler words or the filler flabber. Of course, that's something in Toastmasters that in our particular home club, we get fined for using so many. So, of course, I've been cured of them. However, the word awesome, I really like the word awesome. I try to use it in the right context. I'm a big fan of the Lego movie, so I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like to say there's blossom, which is a word I use for marketing that tries to present something as awesome, but it's overhyped. Yeah. And like those that claim all, all organic ingredients, but taste like junk, like a pasta sauce that I was looking forward to, but then did not live up to the hype. So when someone says awesome for things that really aren't awesome, rather than me getting frustrated, I would just remember those words. And so I would manage my emotions better. In the book, there's a whole chapter, everything is a true story on after me coming back from a funeral. And it was a, from my spouse, her, her dad had passed away. And I got a call from a recruiter and the recruiter, how do they like to start off things like, oh, how are you doing today? Act like they're your friend. And I actually said, well, I'm kind of tired. I just, I just returned um, from a funeral out of state. And she said, oh, that's awesome. And I'm thinking that shows people just use this to feign excitement when they don't want to take the time and sometimes the work to actually listening. So I remember that Lego movie of everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. <laughs> Not, nothing can be awesome if everything is awesome. Awesome is to stand out. And that's why I use these words is so how you can stand out from the fog and the noise, but something genuine, which is you put your own story into it. You put your own feelings into it. So what these words are as grandtasms is they are word creations for smart social connections. It's an invitation to a conversation that is, it's all you. <laughs> Now I feel not awesome because 
I've been called ma'am a few times, and my voice is certainly not high-pitched. It was high-pitched when I was younger. I think sometimes it might just be a gut reaction. Now, in your book, one of the things I found is that your book in general alludes to the fact that you can take fun communication, you can turn that into productivity and better work relationships. You mentioned breaking the ice. How does using or creating or sharing a grantasm, how does that break an ice? How, do you, how does that work? If we look at this as what is a connection, a connection has to imply that there's a gap that needs to be filled, just like we, you know, you build a bridge. You first look for an opportunity over where there's a shared frustration. When I started off at Dell, when I started off at other companies, people don't know me. This is the awkward phase. How do you break the ice? I myself am very comfortable dealing in situations that would make people feel uncomfortable. Why? Because I have humor. I have these words that they denote something that it perks up someone's interest. It's like, I haven't heard that before. That's a little unexpected. Ooh, tell me more. So what we get, as I like to call these, not just icebreakers, ice crushers, because it's also has to be relatable to the situation. Like I'll give a good example is when I was at a conference and all of our sandwiches were very soggy, I just referred to it as soggish, which I said is <laughs> the, is the typical moisture of a sandwich you get at a conference. And other people could relate. And someone posted that on Instagram with their actual sandwich. So someone else did something creative. I started up a conversation. And then we went out to lunch afterwards someplace else. So a networking experience happened. I'll give you another example. When I worked at a place where the internet would keep going out and we were under deadline, and one person who was next to me was starting swearing, getting angry, losing his temper. And I just simply said, well, I guess we don't have an internet. We have an internet. And so the next time it happened, he laughed and he did not lose his cool. Uh, one more really good example is someone who was who worked in social media. They were really frustrated that they'd get all these LinkedIn connection requests and people who just wanted to spam them and looked at social media, these people, salespeople, as a way that social media to them was just access and not building a relationship. It got this person off their game. She took it out on someone because she was so frustrated because it was part of her job. So I helped with some humor to give perspective. And I said, yeah, we can, I can't stand LinkedIn greats either. So you could be a LinkedIn mate, you can be a LinkedIn great. Or when someone screws up online, which we all do, I call that a digital douche. And it's okay. They're social faux pas. We all make mistakes. Why not laugh about it? And so the way you build a connection, and this also works for things like productivity, it helps you be focused on the why you're doing this. And then it, it gives you that dopamine effect where, okay, now you're back to doing what you're doing because you turned your frustration into a creation game. And now you satisfied that need when things get a little boring to go back to work. And it works for me and it works for other people. But the other part is you build social relationships because now you remember something about the other people you work with or deal with. And you have that word. That word is your connection. It's your anchor. It's your prompt. Actually, I think that's very powerful because I'm thinking as you were talking and you were sharing examples of of breaking the ice and, and challenges with the person mouthing off certain particular words, I'm thinking back times where I had been in an office and something had gone wrong and then all of a sudden nobody's saying anything and then finally somebody might say something funny and then everybody laughs and breaks the ice and then some people always remember that. So the words that you have, those could be great to inject when you're in a situation where all of a sudden, uh-oh, did he really say that? Did she really say that? Did this really happen? Now what are we going to do? If I'm understanding correctly, 
you have a situation quite often where you can inject a grantasm, something that went wrong or something that was bad, but it's almost as if it spins it to a positive because everyone is, is all of a sudden laughing and they're, they're calming down and that the emotions have gone away. Well, yes, think of it this way, Greg, is what if you turned your frustrations into a game? It's like take that dark energy and now make it a challenge. And, and this is what brings about a growth mindset. It makes you almost in a way like I do as looking forward to the challenge. You don't feel the type of anxiety that stops you from doing something. You build a sense of confidence from, ooh, this uncomfortable thing is happening. Now I'm going to go into game mode. One thing that I really learned while doing this book, and this book was about five years in the making from all the made up words I was doing that were just coming out of everywhere. People would ask me about when you're going to do a book on these things. And then I wanted to make it something more. I did not want this to just read like a dictionary. I also didn't want it to be like Urban Dictionary, which is a lot of funny stuff, but you don't know the storyteller. You don't Mm -hmm. get to know the story behind. And so people forget it. And I want these to be memorable, meaningful, purposeful, and, and helpful to people. And the biggest thing that I learned along the way is I've understood why people don't change behaviors they want to change. Like, say, for example, you don't do your taxes when you're supposed to, and you still don't. Now, why don't you do that? Because you put yourself in a negative mood. You feel a sense of shame. You feel like, oh, I'm no good. I can't do this. Other people can do it. What I realized is when you gave a a word to these things, you put yourself in a playful mood, and I call it playful mindfulness. So that now you would tackle the things by laughing at the behavior you want to fix. Like for doing taxes, I didn't do taxes for years when I struggled with untreated ADHD and then I changed my life around. And now I'm very, very secure financially, excellent credit rating score because I found these words were helpful. So when I have to do something I don't like to do, I call it, it's important, which is boring, but important. <laughs> and I end up doing it. And then I'll ask one of my friends, what's an important thing they got to do? So it's, it's camaraderie. And that social aspect is really important. You can do these things on your own. You feel creative, but you get an extra burst. You get extra points in a way for yourself when you make it a social game or, a, or you know, social connection. It's very similar to an emotional intelligence when you're trying to identify the stressor. You you put a name to it, and that's supposed to help you zero in on it. You take it one step further, and you make your own word for it. That's right. Naming is one thing, but you don't have to be stuck with the words that are there. And I listen to Brene Brown and other EQ experts, and there is something missing sometimes, and that's what I call DQ. That's digital empathy. Because I, I've, I've seen people that you have the emotional intelligence expert, and then they constantly put out stuff online, but they're never around for the conversation. That to me is being a bit of a LinkedIn great or what I call Facebook friend loading. Somebody who just wants to do friend requests only so they can spam people or that they join a group. Like I call a Facebook group guzzler. There are a lot of words in the book that are about fun and don't necessarily have to be about how to deal with a negative situation. We are attracted to the negative. And if we can get energy from that and we can feel a sense of accomplishment that does go a lot further in our social relationships, in our memory, in our executive function, in all the things that people typically struggle with. And it really does improve our emotional intelligence, but in practical ways. Because we talked about breaking the ice. We talked about finding words for things. How can using these grantasms help for make for better work relationships, like one-on-one relationships? Well, one thing that's always good to do is like when you and I talked on LinkedIn first, we look for something that we can attach ourselves to. Uh, Having something on your profile is good there and it's genuine, it's honest. And then we find a word that can be relevant to both of us. And then it's like, oh, you can relate to it. 
I can relate to it. So you start there. My book has so many of these things. You could take one of them, but you could also kind of see the methodology because I wanted to this be something not just treated as a hobby, but also something that could be treated as a business discipline. So the first thing is to start an icebreaker. Introduce yourself. Maybe you might want to use a word that other people can relate to. Like I, I call myself a gurk. A gurk <laughs> is one of my signature words. It's someone who identifies as a geek, nerd, and or dork who is striving to be an awesome social citizen. But I also refer to it to people who work in the tech space. So tech people like to call themselves gurks. They, they geek out on a lot of stuff. They're nerdy because they are considered experts at things. But they can also be rather dorky because sometimes they can be so smart in some areas, they forget to work on the things that might be their weaknesses, which are sometimes the in-person social or the online social. So I look for, like if I'm on a Zoom call, I might jokingly say with people who I haven't met before, like, all right, if we've had back-to-back Zoom meetings, I might say, I got Zoom exhaustion, or I feel like a Zoom, a Zoombie, like a zombie on Zoom, who's with me? <laughs> or maybe I'll just, I'll just go in there five minutes early, whoever's on there, and I'll, I'll point out something on their LinkedIn profile or what I know about them. If they're willing to put it out there, you know that they're emotional about it. So you look to latch onto something that's emotional. And if you already have a word in your back pocket, that's friendly, that's fun, they get a laugh and that laugh is disarming. It allows someone to open up to you. And then you just ask them about what are, what are their goals from working? What are their challenges? What are their pain points? And you listen, you just listen. It's always a good idea to do like a virtual coffee one-on-one. And I take notes. I take notes on things. I put them in my Evernote. I write them down. And it's not for the purpose of I'm trying to do some creepy stuff on people. It's because I genuinely want to find where there's a connection so it stays in my brain. We can't remember everything. But the things we're emotional about, they come at the right times. And so they come when we are mindful of social context and not using them at a really, really inappropriate time. It's it's a natural feeling and it builds a warm relationship in the workplace. So that's why you know so much about me, huh? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. I was thinking that long before Toast, if Toastmasters hadn't come along, I would be the ultimate definition of a gurk. I would rather sit behind a keyboard than actually talk to anyone. And perhaps if I had some grantasms back then, I, I may have been able to open up a little earlier. Now, in your book, you say there's real power in the words we create and more power sharing them. What do you mean by that? Words give us energy. Communication is essential. And what what is communication? Communication is the exchange of information where we build a connection. And that is through our choice of shared language. What I also discovered is I could take this beyond English. It would be sometimes the way a word would sound in a different language, like Italian or Spanish. And that could be an opening to something new. Like, I would use something that could describe a lawyer and the word for lawyer is abogado. And I would take something fun with that. The power we get is energy. We have more energy when we have a creative accomplishment. One, like we talked about emotional intelligence, which is managing your emotion, being aware of them and then managing them. But it's also to be aware of other people's emotions, to read them well and to manage your communication with them. And this thing I struggle with so often is I have mild auditory processing disorder. So on top of my ADHD, which would be make me highly distractible as a kid, now I'm not hearing the same things, but I could also hear the opposite thing between two choices. So that gave me a lot of problems. So I felt very powerless as a kid and I struggled a lot. 
And that usually is why people are willing to put so much time into made up words because you find energy. Power is something that gives you energy in a way that you have control over. Some people like to say superpower. I think that gets kind of exaggerated. I'm not saying you're going to be able to leap tall buildings, but maybe by what we say a superpower is what other people admire that seems to come effortlessly to us. And if other people can admire that and there's value in it and it gives you energy and it puts you in a good space and you're able to measure that in your day to day, then words are very powerful. We are judged by the choice of words that we use. And it does get really tough when sometimes you're in the public space, when some people might have an agenda and want to take certain things out of context. That happens. That's why I use these words, because they're new. And it's very hard to take words out of context that are new, because it allows so much for interpretation. They are designed for more than one interpretation. When I come up with these words, it's more fun for me to hear what other people think are the meanings of those words, and you can make it into a game. You don't have to go by the definitions that I use. See if you can make it a game where someone else can come up with them. That's even way more fun to see how are their brains working. So that's why I say grandtasms are creative games for different brains. Interesting. You're talking about gamings with words. I Sometimes in Toastmasters, we have table topics, of course. For those of you who are not Toastmasters, it's where there is a theme of the day, and you're asked to answer a question, and you have two minutes. What we'll do is we will go into the dictionary, and we will pick out a word. Chances are nobody knows what it means. And then we'll ask the individual to tell us what it means. And what they have to do is they have to make it up. And then at the end, of course, at the end of the session, we will explain or we will share what the actual definitions are. And that's absolutely hilarious. It's fun, isn't it? Because it is the fun. It's like it's the mystery. It's the journey. In a way, it also makes for very good storytelling because it's it's like guessing who who thinks they know it and seeing what people come up with. I mean, language is fluid. Even lexicographers will say, please make up your own words. That's how when something sticks slang eventually becomes part of our lexicon. Ain't used to not be a word. What is real? Real is when you feel it and someone else can understand you and you have a conversation. It's real. Like irregardless, it's now in the dictionary. It sounds better than regardless (laughs) to some people. I mean, I, I jokingly call myself a literati because I would sometimes get annoyed when people would say the word literally for things that weren't literal. Like, oh my gosh, I just flew in here and I literally am you know, ready to explode. What we understand that words can shift in their, from their original meaning to now this person means they want to use it for emphasis because it's, it's more fun to say irregardless than it is regardless. And then be a naysayer. Don't go by the people say that's not a real word or that they're hyper-analytical. I call myself a naysayer because I deal with naysayers by saying, okay, you want to look up that word in Google? I say, guess what? Google was a made-up word. How about that? I'm just wondering what the Scrabble people think of you. (laughs) (laughs) I think they probably want to throw all their little pieces up in the air and say, this guy is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) You, You should get more points for how creative the word is. Here's what I could see as a game, Greg. Put a word up in the space. People write down their guess, and other people give points to their favorite one, like three, two, one. And the point could be for the first who gets it correct, and then the funniest version or the most innovative version. And then you give points to anyone who's willing to tell a story about it. So that is what also helps break the ice. And I kind of think if you can find a way to make it a game, people get a point system. Gamification does work 
for some people. I mean, why do we like games, whether they're board games or some, sometimes online games? A sense of competition, hopefully friendly competition. This way, it just adds the social element where you get points for it till, a po- till at, a, at a certain time. You don't even need points anymore. It's just naturally who you are. You know, I'm thinking as we're speaking that a lot of us are now working remotely. We're not, we're virtually face-to-face with a lot of people. Some of the people already have challenges with communication in the workplace or maybe communication with their partners and their spouses. This is making, this is more relevant than, than ever today. If I may sort of purloin uh, a, a slogan, make communication fun again, or word creations for fun connections. Fun is how we learn. Maybe you like to say the word joy. Maybe you like to say the word smart. If we say what is missing, it's a sense of connection. And by that, as somebody who has heard the word connect being used as filler flabber, like I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn. I'd mm-hmm. like to connect with you here or there, but it's not really connection. It's just access. It's okay to feel jaded. It's okay to feel frustrated. This just allows us a creative outlet. So we can take that dark energy and now turn our frustrations into a game that first we feel good, we, we feel connected. We feel connected to ourselves. And we have to first feel connected to ourselves. And when we can express ourselves better, more creatively, then we can build a social connection. So I do agree that I think this is something we really need in our social era where we really can make communication fun again. Totally agree. Now, your book is not only filled with all these grantasms. There's also a lot of stories. There's a number of illustrations that are even sayings on T-shirts and little caricatures. If you wanted someone to have one takeaway from your book, what would that be? I would say my one takeaway is be delightfully weird. That is what goes back to being a Gurk, a geek, a nerd, a dork. It's when you can be yourself and you find yourself. And these words are all myself. That's why I give them my name. You can give your words your name. It really is branding that doesn't feel salesy or schmaltzy. It's you. It's an invitation to a conversation. So my takeaway is if you really believe there's power in the words we use and you really believe that fun is a great way to laugh and learn and to connect, this really is the book for you. I mean, anything that we do that becomes a natural part of who we are, that gives us a sense of purpose, that can take something that might be a hobby and turn that into, dare I say, even a business discipline, even a sense of, hey, there's something greater than this than just comedy, which is very important. But the idea of, I did this because I'm proud to be weird. But I also did this and it gave me the thought of, I know when to be weird, but I also know when to blend in. I know when to be a geek, I know when to be typical. I know like Superman could not be Superman without Clark Kent. And Clark Kent was as much of a superhero because he knew when to blend in. This, I think, gives you a sense of, of purpose, of placement, a sense of self, a sense of identity. It's where you take what makes you weird and you turn into something that makes you connected with possibly everyone. So if people want to share their grantasms with you or if they want to reach you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I am on LinkedIn. And while I'm also available on, on Facebook, I typically do it more for personal stuff. So what I am going to be doing is creating a new YouTube channel called Gurks at Work, which is creative communication skills for tech pros, geeks, nerds, and dorks, welcome, or creative games for different brains. Sometimes I even forget what my titles are. Reach out to me and uh, let me know if you have a favorite word or something you're curious about. This is what gives me, and I'm from Hawaii, mana. It gives me power. It gives me energy. It gives me a sense of community. Or, And as you can probably tell, as Greg already knows, I talk a lot. 
there won't be much silence when we have a chat. I promise you that. <laughs> My two favorite words are schizophrenia and whiteout. <laughs> oh, good. And if you want to know what they mean, you'll have to check out the book. <laughs> Please do on Amazon, paperback and ebook. Grant Kroll, it's been fun and an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been really enjoyable for me too. You keep on keeping on. Let's have fun. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.